Podcast, a platform where women of color can have open, honest, and candid discussions about our experiences being women of color in the workplace. I am your host, Rita Pierre, CEO and founder of Frida Women NYC, a fashion brand that sets out to motivate and instill confidence in professional women through the use of fashion accessories. On this episode of Frida's World, and in observance of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we will be discussing domestic violence and the professional woman. But before we get into our discussion, it is time to announce the Frida Woman of the Week. Frida Woman of the Week highlights exceptional women in our community. They are trailblazers who embody the Frida values by being fierce, resilient, erudite, empowered, daring, and ambitious. So without further ado, our Frida Woman of the Week is none other than my dear friend, Layo Badamosi. Layo Badamosi, a Nigerian-born designer, is passionate about women breaking glass ceilings in the workplace while looking and feeling great when doing so. This is a space she understands well and firsthand. Layo studied fashion design at Parsons, the New York, sorry, the New School for Design, while simultaneously attending law school at Fordham University School of Law. She spent years learning about the business of fashion while interning and working in the legal departments of Burberry, Coach, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Stuart Weitzman. Upon obtaining her law license, she served as counsel and legal director for Giovanni Fashions, then went on to establish Leo G soon thereafter. Leo continuously championed the strides women have made across the world in boardrooms and beyond. Lyle will always celebrate the strength of a woman. To learn more about Lyle and her fashion line, you can follow her on Instagram at G. If you believe that you or someone you know is a Frida woman, please send us an email with your name and a brief bio to info at FridaWomanNYC. That's info at F-R-E-E-D-A-WomenNYC.com. Today, I have the honor of sharing the mic with my dear friend and former colleague, Audace Garnett. Audace and I, we met at the district attorney's office, right? Yes, absolutely. I started there in a 2013 in the Domestic mm -hmm. Violence Bureau, mm -hmm. um, where we were able to work on a lot of cases together. Yeah. Um, so that was where we met and where we established our friendship. Absolutely. And it's been years since we both kind of moved on from the office, but we've been able to still communicate and keep our lines of communication yeah. open and call on each other whenever there's a need, like yes. today. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so Adez, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you're currently doing. Okay, so um, thank you for having me on this platform, first no and foremost. <laughs> um, hey everybody, I'm Audace Garnett, and um, I currently work with survivors um, around the intersection of technology abuse and all things technology. Um, I first started out this, in this field uh, working with survivors of domestic violence that have disabilities. I then moved on to the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office where I served as the Teen Services Coordinator where I worked directly with teenage victims um, on their domestic violence um, issues. And then I moved on to be a trainer where I trained adult professionals such as NYPD, um, teachers, anyone that worked with young people around the intersection of sex trafficking and dating abuse. Um, I now work for a national organization where I train um, nationally around the intersection of technology abuse. And I also do some mentoring in my community, so. All right, great, well that sounds like a lot. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're just gonna talk about 
Domestic Violence, as it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, and it's a very heavy topic. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, being a prosecutor in the Domestic Violence Bureau. That was my first real encounter of, you know, we've heard about domestic violence growing up. Some of us may have experienced it within our families, but being on the legal side of domestic violence and actually, you know, meeting victims from all walks of life, you know, I think one of the main stigmas around domestic violence is that it's a poor person's thing. Right. You know, that women, uh, professional women or people, you know, of wealth don't experience domestic violence. Right. It's just, you know, to this, you know, this, this group. And I remember working um, in the office and I would see all sorts of people, Absolutely. rich people, white people, Absolutely. black people, you know, Persians. Like, yes. there were just so many, you know, it was just a very, very um, vast Yes. Um, group of people. Absolutely. So I just kind of wanted to engage in a discussion about domestic violence and professional women um, because I think that's an area that people don't really talk about. Yeah. We kind of just, I think for the most part, society thinks that, um, you know, professional women, we have it all together. Mm -hmm. And because we're professional, like, why would we ever find ourselves in a situation such as right. domestic right. violence? Right. I think there's a lot of ignorance surrounding Absolutely. it, there's a lot of myths. And so today the hope is that we can kind of debunk some of these yes. myths and shed some light on the issue. Absolutely. So Audace, if you could tell me, I know you have an extensive background in domestic violence, but you know, why, where do you think the stigma came from? Why do you think that society, um, when they think of professional women, um, they think, you know, these women, you know, they're strong, they're, they have their things together. This is, domestic violence is something that they just don't experience, that if somebody were to say, I'm, I'm a victim, like they would just look the other way and say, go sit down. Right, um, I think the stigma comes from um, it being an issue that happens behind closed doors. And there's a lot of blame that goes towards victims, like you put yourself in that situation, um, you should have made better choices. Mm -hmm. But um, survivors don't know that they're gonna end up in a domestic violence situation because if an abuser, you know, automatically hits you once you're getting to know them, you know, you may automatically leave. Um, instead, they get to know you, they get to um, you know, become really close to you, they become intimate with you, and uh, then the abuse starts happening. You may see some warning signs. However, um, I think that this issue is an embarrassing issue. There's a lot of shame and guilt you know, attached to it, mm -hmm. so it's not something that people are gonna openly say um, that it's happening to them. So I, I think that that's where that, that all of that comes from. Okay. It's funny because, you know, we're talking about victims, but I also kind of want to talk a little about the, the abusers as well, too, because there are myths around what an abuser looks like. Um, many people, when you think about an abuser, you're thinking about the guy that's on the corner, that's, right. you know, who doesn't really have a job, he's taking out his frustrations out on the world, but we're, we have CEOs, Absolutely. you know, presidents Absolutely. that are domestic violence abusers. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's also something that we should like, you know, talk about. Absolutely. It's not just your regular corner boy who's a domestic violence abuser. It can be, you know, CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, now, what would you say, I guess, the, for somebody who's in a position of power like that, why do you think that they resort to domestic violence? Is there, is there a thing, like is there a, a formula to it? Well, um, Rita, let me just say that you touched on a couple of things. Um, domestic violence is an issue that can happen to anyone. It touches every community. It doesn't ha matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter um, where you live. 
your religious background or anything like that. Um, same thing goes for an abuser. Um, an abuser can be anyone. It could be a pastor, an imam. It could be a rabbi. It could be an NFL player. Mm-hmm. It can be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, abusers are really manipulative and cunning, and they know how to um, appear one way in front of the public. But behind closed doors, it's a totally different story. So it's about power and control. Um, one person having power and control over the other. Um, it's never an equal situation. Um, and when you think about domestic violence, you need to think about whose situation is getting smaller, whose um, relationships are getting smaller, who's not able to communicate with family, have community, and be able to just be themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to just think about that when you think about the power and control dynamic. Which means that victims are not always women. Absolutely. Men can be victims as well. Um, we have elder abuse. You know very well we work with a lot of elder mm-hmm. abuse cases in the DV unit. Um, I just spoke about the teen dating violence um, court that we worked on. We worked on a couple yeah, of cases we did. as well, right? Um, let me just say this, that the youthful offender domestic violence court part, I mean, I think there was a great um, court part uh, because they specifically focused on young people and, you know, how this starts out when you're young. Mm-hmm. So once you um, address it, I think at a younger age, you're less likely to end up in a domestic violence relationship as an adult. But it can be difficult. And that was actually a really good experience um, working with the, the youth um, population because it also gave me an opportunity to kind of like mentor them in a sense. So although, you know, it's under a prosecutorial umbrella, right. but, you know, we, because a lot of those cases also didn't move forward to trial as well too, Absolutely. we were able to actually speak to, um, you know, the young women or men mm-hmm. And you know what's going on here? Like, why are you in this situation? Absolutely. And kind of be like a mentor for them as Absolutely. well. So I really like that opportunity um, to kind of you know be a mentor in that space. Yes. Um, so that I thought was really important. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I, I kind of want to touch on too, though, is that so domestic violence being this issue that you know it's emotionally taxing, mm-hmm. physically, um, you know, taxing. Absolutely. Um, how does this affect, how can this affect one's work performance? Wow. Um, it can definitely affect um, a person's work performance um, in several ways. And let me just say that um, when you think about domestic violence, there are several ways that a partner can exhibit this power and control. These are called tactics. So when we look at tactics, we're talking about emotional abuse, physical abuse. We oftentimes think of the physical abuse, mm-hmm. the black and blues, the bruises. Mm-hmm. Um, but a person can be financially abusive, okay? So let me just say this, that an abuser can, you know, make a survivor lose their job by assaulting them so bad that they lose their job, right? Mm-hmm. They can't go to work, so they call out sick several times, calling their job constantly, um, showing up at their job unannounced, um, making rumors and things of that nature. Um, so that can definitely make create a financial Im- um, impact on the survivor. But how um, this plays out in the workplace is, you know, this person's, um, their work performance may change, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They may not be connecting as as well anymore with um, their colleagues or, you know, performing, you know, at the level that they usually would. So um, depression, anxiety, all of those things trickle in and, you know, creep into the workplace. So you definitely need to think about that. Okay. Because I'm just thinking, you know, as the day, you know, I'm thinking about like a regular work day. I imagine how, you know, if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, how that affects me. If I had an argument with my mother or with, you know, my son that morning before leaving the house, how that 
totally changes my mood. And if I don't feel good, I'm not going to perform well. Absolutely. I, you know, I become like a social recluse almost in my, in my workspace. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine going through something as emotionally, um, you know, whether it be emotionally, physically, and or both, um, you know, that taxing situation, how that can really, really rear its ugly head in the workplace and how it can damage your relationship with your supervisors, with your coworkers. Um, It could damage your reputation as a productive individual. Uh, Because a lot of times I feel like when you go to work, you know, these are not your real friends. Absolutely. These are not your Absolutely. mentors for the most part. Right. So they're not really checking to see, oh, you know, she was, she's a little down this mm-hmm. week, but you mm-hmm. know, you know, last week she was great. They're not really look, checking your levels like right. that. So they'll automatically say, well, her work performance has dropped. Yes. And then there goes the promotion that you were probably up for. There Absolutely. goes this assignment, this big assignment you were waiting mm-hmm. for. So knowing that that's the workplace environment for the for the most part i can't say you know at first i thought about asking well how does um you know your how does a coworker maybe like how could a coworker identify sign, signs of the domestic violence um within you know within the work site but i think i really want to jump to how can a manager because i feel like the coworkers you know they'll have their opinions and maybe they might be able to say something or help or whatever but i really think that at the end of the day, it's really the managers um, that kind of have like a real influence on how, right. how you know, your situation will play out. Right. So what are some things that, you know, somebody who's a supervisor in a, or, or a manager in a work site, um, what can they look for if, mm. you know, if, they, if there is somebody that is a victim of domestic violence amongst their staff? Like, right. are there certain signs or there certain attitudes, habits, mm. things that a victim displays that would say something like this is going on? Um, Well, it it could be difficult to spot, let me just say that, Um, especially if that person's been dealing with a domestic violence situation for a very long time. So um, abusers, again, they are really manipulative and they know what they're doing. So um, sometimes what abusers would do is, you know, assault that person where, you know, the clothing would hide them. However, um, if a if a um, employee is coming in with clothing that's not appropriate for the weather, you know, trying to hide those injuries. Maybe you want to, you know, ask like, hey, like, you know, it's a little warm for that. Like, is, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you should, uh, you know, automatically ask a person if it's domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to make them shut down again. This is a shameful issue um, that you, you know, you don't openly talk about. You want to, you know, let that person know that, you know, hey, I, I see in a decline in your performance. Um, if there's anything that you'd ever, you know, want to talk about, I'm here to provide a listening ear. Um, and if that person is open to coming to talk to you, the most important thing to do is listen. It's not your job to provide them with advice and to provide them with, um, you know, stories about if I were you, I would have did this. Mm-hmm. And my cousin Nene from um, the block, this is what she did in 2002. Mm-hmm. Everyone's situation is different. So it's not your job to tell a person what to do with their situation. Just listen. And the three things that I learned um, from doing this work is um, always tell a survivor um, what you're going through is not your fault, right? You're not alone, and help is available, because help is available. There are resources that survivors can connect to. doesn't matter how much money you make, again, um, and what your level of education is, you can always receive support um, when you're going through this issue. Even if you want to remain in the situation and create a safety plan, and you're not ready to leave, there's always support available. 
And I'm really glad you touched on two things. Um, one, the shame factor. Um, I find that, you know, as women, we, we don't think it's okay to go through the shame process. Um, and the reason I say that is because in order, in order for us to really overcome it, we have to go through it. And so I don't know if it's because we're just, because we're, in, you know, we're at a certain level in our careers and in our lives that it's like to kind of you know, lower yourself to address the shame um, is just something that we're not willing to do. Right. And it's something that I think that if we're willing to like decrease ourselves a little bit so that we can increase you know, more than where we're at, yes. um, you know, that's something, like that message right there, I think, is, would be a much more powerful one than kind of just listen to your professional and just you know, deal with it in, in, the, in the closet and then just keep moving forward. Because I think ultimately, you re you, we really can't move forward if we don't deal Absolutely. with these particular Absolutely. issues. So true. Um, I, I also want to just address um, the stigma around mental health, you know, help, you know. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to go talk to a social worker? Are they going to think that I'm crazy? Mm -hmm. You know, and there's a lot of self-blame, you know, that's attached to this. So you have to keep that in mind as well. It takes a lot for a person to get up and get some help. So if a person does openly come to you and tell, them to tell you that they're having this experience, don't blame them because you may be the first person that they've ever talked to about this situation. And if you say the wrong thing, they may shut down and never want to talk to anyone again and just remain in that situation. So it's really important that we remove those layers of stigma because that's what I think is, you know, preventing us from getting the help. We got to be strong. We got to be the tough one. We have mm -hmm. to, you know, just keep it moving. Life doesn't stop. We're raising children. We're supporting family. We have these careers that we have to, you know, maintain. But it's, it's all right to get help. It's okay. Everyone needs help. Everyone. And I think that's a really important thing to say. I feel like we as a society we really hold on to these stigmas and sometimes inadvertently like cast them on, you know, other people. So it's like, you know, I'm, I have this preconceived idea of, you know, mm -hmm. what a domestic violence victim looks like right. or, or that there actually even is a look to a domestic right. violence victim. And, you know, comments that I might make, ways that I might, you know, treat them, you know, mm -hmm. without me mm -hmm. actually saying what this, you know, what I'm thinking about them. I'm, you know, portraying it to, through the way, you know, the things that Absolutely. I say, the way that I act. And it's true. I feel like we all have a responsibility to each other. Mm -hmm. And that responsibility is, you know, shedding these la layers of ignorance that we have toward people who find, you know, who are in these situations. Absolutely. Um, and I, I actually don't like saying, like, you know, people who find themselves in situations right. because they didn't find themselves in the situation. Right. The situation happened however it Absolutely. was. Um, so I think that's one thing that we need to be more socially responsible mm -hmm. when it comes to um, talking about domestic yes. violence. And, you know, the person that we're talking to right now, we don't know if they actually were a victim Absolutely. before or are currently a victim. Absolutely. Um, and I also like the piece, um, you know, a lot of us, because, you know, we're always eager to help, we always want to, you know, figure things out. And, you know, we're so quick to give advice, unsolicited mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. uh, about things a lot of us really don't know much about, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> like, Absolutely. hey, go to a shelter. Why can't, like, I've, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some, at some point in my life, I might have even said it myself yeah. when I wasn't as informed. Right. Like, why can't they just go to a shelter? Right. There's shelters everywhere. Right. And then going, you know, working in the Domestic Violence Bureau and seeing what shelters really look like and how hard it really is to find a decent yes. shelter. 
And the things that actually go on in the shelters, it's not the easiest thing to say, let me uproot my family or just myself and go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are so on point when it comes to that. Okay. I mean, New York, we are blessed here in New York. Let me just say, we have a lot of resources and services. However, it's not enough. There are not a lot of beds, you know, Mm -hmm. available for survivors. I I can recall specifically one night at the DA's office, I'm working with this woman. I stayed there till midnight. Everyone had gone home. No one was there except for security. I mean, calling every shelter, just waiting, doing intake after intake. And after we finished that intake, there were still no beds available for this woman. And she was in extreme danger. And she came to the place where she could, you know, was supposed to get help, ideally. Mm-hmm. But there were no beds. She had no family, no support. So you always want to think about that. Like, you know, you want to tell survivors that they should just get up and leave. There are too many barriers in place that prevent survivors from getting the help that they need. So you got to keep that in mind before you offer your suggestion, mm-hmm. you know? Especially when you really have no idea of how the process works, how the system works. Absolutely. Now, I want to just talk about your role, um, you know, in the past as like being a social worker, working one-on-one with victims of of domestic violence. What would you say was your most challenging, um, I don't know if I say experience or most Mm. challenging um, situation rather? Oh, oh my gosh. I should have prepared for this. There's so many. There's so many. Um, let me just say that survivors have a lot of uh, strength, okay, and, and resilience. And um, I've worked on so many cases, so many cases. I mean, I think the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office is the third largest prosecutor's office in the nation. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a very large unit. And um, some of the things that we will see are, you know, would be horrific, things that don't make the news. And um, one of the most awful experiences that I had, I won't share any names, but I'll give you know, a brief you know, scenario of this young person that was um, in a relationship for a short while and you know, engaged in this relationship and she trusted this person and he harmed her and her child for months on top of months on top of months you know, and, and, and kept them hostage um, within a room and just assaulted them and, and did all of the awful things that you could ever think of or imagine, right? Um, you know, through working with this person, um, you know, and through talking to her throughout the time that I worked with her, she spoke a lot about warning signs, you know? She spoke a lot about um, things that she saw in the beginning, but, um, you know, just being uncertain, you know, Mm -hmm. about, you know, if it's a good thing or not, you know? Um, So I I could sit here and talk for hours about, you know, cases that I've worked on, but, you know, that was one of the cases that I think that really stood out to me because, she saw the warning sign, she, she knew, you know, but she just went ahead because um, she, she loved this person, you know, this person showed her a good side of them, you know, before they did this awful stuff. And I think that's where another like, you know, stigma or myth comes in, right? Mm-hmm. That there's a level of education involved. Right. And it's like, you know, love is love, feelings are feelings. There's no, it doesn't matter how many degrees you mm-hmm. have, you know, how you feel is how you feel towards somebody. And so, again, this is why I feel like with domestic violence, you know, professional women are not exempt from from experiencing these things because Mm -hmm. it's not about intellect. It's really about feeling. So they, a lot of times, you know, women and men, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about domestic violence in general, Mm -hmm. you know, they can they can know that something's wrong. They can see the signs. You right. know, their friends will tell them. They'll, they'll probably even have powwows. And it's like, I, you know, I really feel like, 
you know, something's not adding up. Yes. And they know, but because of, you know, the heart wants what it wants Absolutely. or circumstances sometimes too, whether mm -hmm. it be, you know, a victim who might have immigration mm -hmm. issues or, you know, you know um, situations that can be where, you know, I, I want to leave, mm -hmm. but I can't leave. Absolutely. So there are so many different factors. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think one thing I, I know that I don't like hearing is that it's like, well, you know, she should have known better. She's smart enough. Right. You know, she went to an Ivy League school. Like, how right. can this happen to her? Mm -hmm. And, you know, these types of issues, they know it's not about intellect. It's Absolutely about, not. you know, it's situational Absolutely. and it's about emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing I would want to ask is if there was any advice that you would give to somebody who might be going through, you know, a professional woman who is going through domestic violence, mm -hmm. um, you know, we could talk about the resources in a little bit about maybe some things that, you know, some resources that they could um, obtain or look into, but somebody who's currently going through this situation, possibly listening to the podcast or maybe one of their friends is listening and is like, oh my gosh, this is some advice that I would want to give to my friend. Right. Um, I know we talked about unsolicited advice, but let's just say it's a situation where, you know, the friend knows what's going on, right? right? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Again, I just want to go back to those three points that I made. Like, I always stick to them. Um, what you're experiencing is not your fault. Um, you um, have the right to be in an abuse-free um, relationship. Um, there is help available, free and confidential. No one needs to know that you're going to seek out help. And um, you're not alone. Like, you're not the only one that's having this experience. You may feel um, like you're alone and that you're the only one that's... Um, going through this, but there are so many men and women that are having this experience um, that you know can support you. There are support groups that you could attend if you're interested. There's one-on-one -on -one counseling. There's so many different things that you could um, you know, engage in to get the support that you need. Um, I know that you know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but um, domestic violence is every single month. Like This is happening every day, all day. Mm -hmm. Every day, all day, and it's overshadowed by so many different things. Um, our media, you know, shares that, you know, relationships should be this way or you should treat a woman that way or you should talk to a guy that way. And it, it just reflects a lot of negative um, behaviors. So um, domestic violence is never okay. Let me just say that. Um, and I'm going to end it on that. It's never okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that popped into my head um, as you were saying that, because I am, you know, I'm thinking about the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about a scenario where, somebody is a victim of domestic violence and it is affecting their work performance. You know, they're, they're wearing the heavy coat and it's not cold in the office to hide their bruises, right? Mm -hmm. But they are declining so much in their work performance that it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And they can't say anything because there's shame involved, right? They're right. blaming themselves. Um, they don't want anybody in their business. Um, but then let's say they get they end up getting terminated, right? Because mm -hmm. of the poor work performance that led to, um, I mean, be, because of the domestic violence, right. Right? right? Now I'm thinking about a scenario because we are in a litigious society yeah. where somebody might say, well, you know, I was, you know, I came to work, I, I had all the signs, you know, I displayed all the signs and, you know, over the workplace they kind of, um, you know, looked the other way. There wasn't, you know, a platform for me to really say anything because who's really going to come out and say that they're a right, victim? Right. For somebody that in that situation, and I'm, this is just hypotheticals, but is there anything that can actually, is there any protections for that individual? Is there anything that can actually be done? Um, well, there, 
There are protections. However, you'd have to have notified your employer um, that this that this was an issue. Mm -hmm. If the employer does not know and they're just terminating you um, because of your work performance, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if there's anything that could be done. Um, you maybe could advocate for your mm -hmm. for your um, position back again. Um, but there are laws in place, New York City specifically, I know, um, does have laws in place that um, says that employers cannot fire survivors of domestic violence if they notify them that they're having this experience. Mm, that's um, good I'm not know. an attorney, but I do know of that. I do know that that's in place. So um, again, it's illegal to discriminate against an employee because he or she is a victim of domestic violence. Um, I don't know the statute or anything like that, but um, they have to make reasonable accommodations for that person and, you know, you know, just make sure that things are in place in order for that person to, you know, perform. Well, thank God for Google because everything is Googleable. Absolutely. So as long as they know that provision, they just type it in real quick. Absolutely. Um, so basically to end the conversation, you know, what resources are available? I know you mentioned that there are some that are free. Is there any particular agencies that you mm -hmm. want to shout out that you know, you know, mm -hmm. um, have worked um, with this particular population and, you know, are doing good work? Yes. Let me just first start off by saying, um, if you are in immediate danger, meaning that you are in fear for your life, you should automatically call 911. I know that people are oftentimes fearful of calling the police because they don't want the neighbors to see or they don't want to cause a you know, um, huge issue. Um, but if you're in danger, extreme and imminent danger, you should call 911. However, there are several other remedies um, there are services that you can receive. You can walk into family justice centers. Here in New York, we have five family justice centers. Um, we actually work, work in partnership with the family justice center in Brooklyn. But they're usually located close to the courts. So you can call 311 and just ask for that information. Where is the family justice center located? Um, if you are um, interested in fleeing and you're looking for shelter, you can call the city's domestic violence hotline. And that number is 1-800-621-HOPE. That's 1-800-621-HOPE, and I think those numbers are 4653, I don't know. We use cell phones now, I don't know what the numbers <laughs> are connected to it. But um, that's Safe Horizon, and you can um, you know, speak with a trained advocate that can provide you with support. Um, no one should force you to leave your situation. If that's something that you're not ready to do, um, you don't have to do that. It's up to you. You have choice. Okay, um, the advocate or the person that's providing you with that service should be empowering you and working with you towards the decision that you want to make. So even if you want to remain in that situation and receive help, you have the choice to do that. No one should be judging you based off of that. And that's good to know. Absolutely. And I think one thing I just wanted to add for um, victims who are undocumented, that there's the U visa. Absolutely. And they can find information about that through either Safe Horizons yes. or the Family Justice Center. So if you are a victim of domestic violence and you are undocumented, you can call the police and there are protections for you. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, even if you're undocumented here in the um, United States, um, in New York City, let me speak specifically for New York City, um, you have the right to call the police and to seek help. Um, no one's going to deport you for being a um, victim of domestic violence. Um, and there are remedies, as Rita mentioned, the U visa that is in place um, to provide you know, that person with the status that they need in order to live a, a mm -hmm. life free of domestic violence. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Audes. I think this was a lot of information, a lot of helpful information mm -hmm. as we approach, you know, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. But like you said, domestic violence is an everyday, every hour, every minute thing. So it's not Absolutely. just, you know, 
just because it's October, we need to, you know, think about right. it. We should really be thinking about this on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, so definitely thank you for coming today and, and having you. this very important discussion um, mm -hmm. and just bringing awareness to the issue. Domestic violence does not just affect women, it affects men. It doesn't just affect poor people, it affects rich people as well. Absolutely. Um, so again, thank you so much for coming and thank you everyone for tuning into Frida's World Podcast. Be sure to go to our website at Frida, F-R-E-E-D-A, womennyc.com to learn more about the brand and to shop our latest accessories. You can also follow us, subscribe, and like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Frida, F-R-E-E-D-A, womennyc.